Good morning, everybody. So on Easter Sunday, you know, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for the sins of the world. And a message about the resurrection from the dead is a relevant message for really everybody in this room because we all share a common problem. Does anybody know what that common problem is? Well, yes, that. But ultimately, we share a problem that we're all going to die. We're all going to die. I mean, no matter what we do, you know, human ingenuity has solved a lot of problems in the world. We've got amazing inventions. We've got all sorts of problems that have been solved. But one problem that we can't solve is death. Billions and, and really trillions of dollars are spent every single year postponing death or making death a little bit more comfortable for us. But we can't stop it, can we? I read a heartbreaking story about a 14-year-old girl in England, uh, and three years ago, uh, she died of cancer. Uh, she was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer and told she had a couple of months to live, and so this girl uh, was devastated by this news, and she didn't want to die, and so she began to do research, and uh, she went to court to fight for her right to be cryogenically frozen. Uh, cryogenic freezing is basically uh, where they take somebody right after they've died and they put you in a big tube of dry ice and the hope is that maybe just possibly one day if they uh, put you in dry ice that one day a couple hundred years from now we'll have a cure for cancer and we'll get brought back to life and you know they can unfreeze that person uh, the problem is is that most scientists think that it's a long shot at best uh, and it costs tens of thousands of dollars but the article said uh uh, I'll just read you a quote from the article. It said, as 14-year-old Anna lay in the hospital waiting for her terminal cancer to claim her life, she found comfort, hope, uh, and hope in the idea that science might help her cheat death. And I was just sad when I read that article as I thought about how uh, people grasp for hope whenever they face death uh, because it scares us when we get there, right? And um, she told a relative... Uh, while she was uh, uh, in her final day, she said, I'm dying, but I'm going to come back again in 200 years. And, and that was what her, her hope was in. Uh, but, you know, I got to thinking about it, and, and I thought, you know, what's sad is that even if in 200 years uh, the long shot actually happened and she came back, um, she's still going to die again. Like, ultimately, we can postpone it. We can even postpone it a couple of hundred years and unfreeze ourselves, but then we're faced with the same problem. Death is something that no matter how hard we try, we just cannot escape it. Or can we? Or can we? Like we saw in the video, there's all sorts of opinions out there about what comes next after this life. But one thing's for sure, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then there's not much hope. If Christ has not been raised then you cannot be saved. Today we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, there are some Bibles on the coffee tables. You can pick one of those up uh, and you can turn there. And if you don't own one, that's our gift to you. You can take one with you when you leave. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians is after the book of Romans in the New Testament. You want to start turning there. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church in Corinth, the city of Corinth. And there were people in this church who were denying the resurrection from the dead. Okay, And Paul's writing to respond to that. So I, what I want us to do is I want us to read, because we're going to see that they have the same problems that we have today. So let me read the first couple of verses of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 and 13. I'm going to start in verse 12. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So what was happening here is that there were some people who were saying, yeah, well, there's a resurrection, but it's just a spiritual, just in a spiritual sense, we're ra we will be raised from the dead. There's no physical or bodily resurrection from the dead. Uh, and this rose out of a, you know, a thinking back then called Gnosticism, where people thought that uh, the material world was evil, and that ultimately what God was going to do is destroy all the physical things, and we were just going to be, only the spiritual would remain. And Paul is saying, no, that's not true. That's not the case. Uh, but regardless, now we don't have people running around believing that today that I know of. Uh, but regardless, uh, some were saying that believers would not be physically raised from the dead. And Paul is concerned because apart from the resurrection from the dead, people don't have any hope and the gospel falls apart. In fact, all of Christianity falls apart without the, re without the resurrection from the dead. Paul knows that if Christ has not been raised, then you and I cannot be saved. And then he says, he says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, if, like if we're not going to rise from the dead, then that means Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And that's a problem. Because the entire gospel message, all of Christianity, hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I went, maybe some of you have seen it, I went and saw a movie called The Case for Christ last week. And in that movie, the guy that the movie's about named Lee Strobel, he was an atheist that uh, tried to prove Christianity wrong. And through his study, he actually uh, became convinced that Christianity was true uh, and that the resurrection did indeed happen. And he gave his life to Christ. But in that movie, he quotes C.S. Lewis. Uh, and here's what it said. He said, Christianity, if it's false, is of no importance. But if it's true... It's of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be is moderately important. So think about that. If God actually came to earth as a man and actually lived and said, I'm the only way to heaven, and then he went and he died on a cross and he told people beforehand that I'm going to die for the sins of the world, and he actually got in the grave, and three days later he actually walked out, if that's true, then we can't just approach this half-heartedly. Like, if that's true, then that changes everything. But if it's not true, then who cares? Let's all just go home. Right? But one thing it can't be is we can't just approach it nonchalantly. It cannot be moderately important. Many Christians, I've found, believe that Christ rose from the dead, but they live their lives as if they won't rise from the dead. We believe that Christ rose from the dead, but we live as if we're not going to rise from the dead. Let me ask you a question. What if you were unable to communicate, say you were mute, and, and you could not tell people, I believe in the resurrection? Would be, people be able to tell that you believe in the resurrection from the dead just by the way that you live your life? Would be, people be able to tell by the way that you live your life? It's easy to say that you believe... That's what we're supposed to say, right? That's what we're supposed to say. But how does the resurrection actually impact your life on a day-to-day -day basis outside of Easter? How does it impact it in October? How does it impact your life in July? It makes sense to me that if someone actually believes that they're never going to die, then that person's going to have some characteristics that define them. That person's going to have a lot of hope. Like even in the face of suffering and trials. But you know, a lot of times what we tend to do when we suffer or things don't go our way, what do we do? We complain, right? We complain, we mope, we don't have any hope, right? But if we really believe that we're never going to die, like, well, that kind of puts a positive spin on just about everything, doesn't it? That's pretty good news, I would say. 
gives us courage, right? Well, a lot of times I, I see people living in fear, right? We're afraid of everything. We, you know, we spend trillions of dollars every year uh, on the insurance industry, right? We're, uh, we're protective of our kids. You know, we've got helicopter parents running around. We're scared, right? We live in fear. There'd be an urgency to tell others, right? There should be an urgency to tell other people if we actually believe that we're going to live forever and that if they place their faith and trust in Jesus too, that they will live forever. Well, don't you think we would probably be a little bit more vocal about passing that information on to other people? Like, shouldn't they know it? But have a lot more joy, right? I mean, if we really believe that we're going to live forever, that Jesus rose from the dead, and we will too if we place our faith in Him, you know, wouldn't we have a lot more joy? Our lives aren't always marked by these things, though, are they? When people see our lives, they often look virtually the same as the world's. We're more concerned about perishable things like money or our health, and we're just afraid of death as those who don't believe in the resurrection at all. And over the next few verses, what Paul's doing is he sort of plays along with those that are denying the resurrection. So he's kind of like, okay, if the, resur if the resurrection of the dead isn't happening, then here's what that means for all of us. And Paul, and what he's going to do is he's going to explain exactly why the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ is our only hope. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at each of Paul's arguments. We're just going to go through those real quickly. There's three arguments that Paul gives here. I don't know where you're at this morning, each of you individually. Maybe you would say, you know what, I doubt the resurrection of Jesus. I'm just not sure about that. Or maybe you, and you doubt the importance of the resurrection of Jesus and you believe that there are many ways to heaven, that Jesus is just one way. Or maybe you say you believe it, but you know you aren't living like you believe it. Whatever the case, I want you to know this morning that since Christ has been raised, we have hope to live differently in this life and eternally in the next. Since Christ has been raised, we have hope to live differently in this life and eternally in the next. Okay, so let's look at Paul's arguments. Number one is in verses 14 and 15. Here's what he says. He says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true, that the dead are not raised. So Paul's basically saying if Christ hasn't been raised, we are all wasting our time here, right? If the resurrection didn't happen, then I'm misrepresenting God and we should all just go home. That's pretty significant because Paul's been through a lot to preach the gospel. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about how he received 39 lashes from the cat of nine tails five different times. Five different times he received 39 lashes, right? He, went, he was shipwrecked twice. He was imprisoned. Right? He was beaten with rods three times. That's a lot to go through for a guy if he's just doing all this for nothing. If he's just preaching the gospel in vain. He also says your faith is in vain. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, that your faith is in vain. In the video, you heard some people saying things like, well, we just need to be a good person or everybody's going to end up in heaven. But the problem is, is there's no basis for this belief. There's no basis for that belief. Why will everyone end up in heaven? What about, what about rapists? What about rapists? Not them, not rapists? Okay, well, 
What about perpetual liars? Will they end up in heaven? Where is the line drawn? Who decides where that line is drawn? Where do we decide who gets in and who gets out? The point, uh, my point in that is that faith by itself is pointless. That's not faith. It, what matters is what is our faith in? Faith by itself, if faith isn't placed in anything, that's called optimism. And optimism can't do us any good. Faith must be rooted in something. See, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is that none of us deserve to get in. Nobody. Not rapists, not perpetual liars, not you, not me. None of us deserve to get in. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We have eternal life because Jesus rose from the dead, and we receive that gift of eternal life as a gift from God, because His Son died on the cross in our place. It's by faith in Him, it's by receiving His forgiveness that we have eternal life. So the truth is that not everyone is going to go to heaven. We all deserve death. But Jesus, but God has made a way out through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Faith only makes sense if Jesus rose from the dead and is going to raise all believers from the dead along with Him. So that's Paul's first argument. His second argument is this. His second argument is you are still in your sin without the resurrection. Look at verses 16 to 17. He says, If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So Paul, Paul's argument, if, if Christ hasn't been raised, then you and me, we're all still in our sins. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to be in your sin? And why is the resurrection necessary to get out of our sin? Well, let's talk about those one at a time. To be in sin is the opposite of being in Christ, okay? To be in sin is to get what your sin earns. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us what sin deserves. It says, the wages of sin is death, okay? The wages of sin is death. So if Christ has not been raised, then we get what we deserve, which is death. Now here's the thing, death is not a part of God's original design. God did not create the world with death in it. Death is a result of the separation of God and mankind. When you and I chose to sin and we chose to rebel against God, it created a chasm between us and God. Romans 5.12 says that just as sin came into the world through one man and death came through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So there's a twofold problem for us here. Number one, our sin that deserves death has to be taken care of. And number two, the death that's a consequence of sin has to be reversed. So our sin needs to be taken care of and death needs to be taken care of. Now Jesus took care of that first problem when He stepped in as our substitute to die in our place on the cross. Jesus died for our sins. But why is the resurrection necessary for the forgiveness of sins? Most of the time when we think of forgiveness of sins, we think of the cross, right? That's where that happened. But Paul says that the resurrection is also necessary for forgiveness. Why is that? Well, here's the answer. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was God the Father's affirmation that His sacrifice was enough. 
that His sacrifice for our sin was sufficient. Another way to put it is that when Jesus rose from the dead, that was like God putting His rubber stamp on Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. It was Jesus' reward for being obedient to the Father every step of the way. When He died, when God the Father raised Him from the dead, He said, yes, it is finished. All sin has been paid for. Well done, my son. And he raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection certifies it and says that our sins are paid in full. It says that our sins are paid in full. Jesus' sacrifice is so complete, so perfect, and so sufficient that it covered all of our sins. Past sins, present sins, and future sins. And what Paul is saying is that without the resurrection, Jesus' sacrifice for your sin is incomplete. That's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is necessary. But here's the thing. If Jesus just died, if He didn't rise from the dead, then what He did, that's a really sacrificial and nice and loving thing, right? It's a really nice thing that Jesus did for us. Like, wow, that's... That's super generous of you, Jesus, to go and, and to die on the cross. But guess what, guys? If Jesus is still in the grave right now, he does us no good. And we're worshiping a dead man. And that makes no sense. Right? But if Jesus is alive, that changes everything. And I'm here to testify to you this morning that Jesus is alive that he did get up out of the grave. And that's the whole point of why we're here this morning. That's why I moved to Canada from Texas. I mean, that's why I left my family and my, and my home to come up here and help start churches that would share the good news about Jesus Christ, that Jesus is alive with people that haven't heard it yet, with people that are not following Jesus right now. Faith makes no sense without the resurrection. Argument number three, this is Paul's last argument. He says that there is no life after death without the resurrection. There's no hope for life after death without the resurrection. Look at verse 18 and 19. He said, Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So when Paul says that word fallen asleep, he doesn't mean taking a nap. That means dead. Okay? So he, when he says those who have fallen asleep, Paul is explaining that if Christ hasn't been raised, that all the Christians that you and I know that have died, they've perished. And that word perished means destroyed. It's the Greek word that means destroyed. So, which means they're no longer alive. They're just dead. Okay? Paul's point is if Jesus is not alive then you and me and all of our loved ones are in the same boat as the rest of the world. We will all die with no hope of life after this one. And if that's the case, Paul says, we are of all people most to be pitied, right? Oftentimes, you know, when I hear people, uh, when, when people die, if you're at a funeral or if you, you hear somebody pass away on Facebook maybe, you'll hear people say, well, we're going to see them again one day or I know that he or she is looking down on me. But often this hope and belief, again, isn't based in anything. It's not based in anything. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that he's looking down on you? Why do you believe that we'll see them again one day? How do you know that we'll see them again one day? If there's no reason, if there's no basis for our hope, guys, then it's just optimism. It's not faith. Listen to me. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there's no reason for anyone 
to hope that we'll see anybody again one day. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then there is reason for hope for life after this one. God wants more for you than optimism. Optimism is just like a self-help technique. He wants more than you for more for you than optimism. He wants you to know for sure that you're going to live forever. He wants you to know for sure that you're going to see your loved ones again one day. Look, our proof that heaven is real is not found in heaven tourism books. Okay? We don't get our theology about the resurrection and about heaven from a three-year-old who had an emergency appendectomy. We get our theology about heaven from God's Word. God's told us about it Himself right here. God's already told us how to get there. He's already told us what it's going to be like. And we're going to look in just a second. We're going to read about it. It's right here in His Word. And Jesus said, I'm the only way to get there. Listen to John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Eternal life is a gift that is offered to us by God, and that gift is given through Jesus. Because Jesus overcame death, we can overcome death in Him. We're here this morning because Christ has been raised. I want you to look at the last verse and then we're going to close up. The last verse and first that we're going to look at, verse 20, what Paul says. Paul says, But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So there's two conclusions that Paul draws here, and these two conclusions, they're linked. And the fact that they're linked is a glorious conclusion. Number one, he says that Christ has been raised. And number two, he says, if you're in Christ, you will be raised. So Paul started off by reminding the Corinthians of the truth. In the first uh, few verses of this chapter, I'll just read some to you. He says, he says, For I delivered of you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely unborn, he appeared to me. Christ died for our sins, he rose, and then he appeared to over 500 people. And I want you to think about something. Paul wrote this letter, when he wrote this letter, almost all those people were still alive. And Paul name drops them, okay? So if this were not true and Paul were making all of this up, all somebody had to do was go fact check Paul and go, dude, I talked to James and he told me that he did not see Jesus rose from the dead. You lied, right? That's all somebody had to do because this letter was going around while, G while all these people were still alive who actually saw Jesus. So what's Paul telling him? He's like, look, I saw him. There's many other witnesses that saw him. Jesus is alive. The people Paul names are also people, keep in mind, that were in hiding after Jesus died. They literally were terrified. Think about it. You're following this leader, okay? And then the, the Roman authorities and the Jewish people, they get mad at him and they take your leader and they torture him. They literally beat him to the point of death and then they hang him on a cross. If they do that to the person you're following, who do they think they're coming for next? Well, they're coming for you next, right? So they're terrified and they're hiding. And then three days after that, 
They go from hiding and cowering in a corner to going around and telling everybody that they can possibly find, Jesus isn't dead anymore, he's alive. And they're being beaten for it. And they're being persecuted for it. And they're being thrown in jail for it. What changed? What changed? What made them cower in fear to all of a sudden being bold as a lion? I'll tell you what changed. They saw Jesus Christ get up out of the grave and they saw Him alive. That's what changed. Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. The second truth is that if you believe in Jesus, you will be raised. And we're not just talking about a spiritual resurrection where you float on clouds and you play harps. You know, I used to, I used to not look forward to heaven, if I'm being honest with you. I used to be like, you know what, I kind of don't want to go because that sounds really boring. Like, why would I want to go and sing songs all day, float on clouds and play harps? I don't even like that type of music. I like hip-hop and hard rock. I want some of that music in heaven. Stephen King agrees with me. Stephen King said, uh, he's the author, you know, and he, he wrote the, the book It and all that stuff. Uh, he said this, he said, The heaven that I was taught about growing up in Sunday school would be boring. I don't want to go there. I can identify. I can identify with that, right? I mean, who wants to go and do that? But see, here's the thing. Churches have done a poor job of teaching people what heaven is actually like. Because you know what? You know what I could tell you? You can go and you can read through this whole thing and you're not going to see anything about playing harps on clouds. You're not going to see anything about any of that stuff. You're also not going to see anything about just being a spirit floating in the air. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see that we're going to actually have a body. Like a resurrected, resurrected body that you can touch. Except it's not going to be uh, one of these bodies that deteriorates. It's not going to be one of those bodies that gains weight when you eat too many burritos. You're going to be able to eat as many burritos as you want. And you're not going to get heart disease. And I can't wait. Listen to what Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 to 5 says about what heaven is like. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, and that's Jesus, says, Behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. You see, God isn't replacing the earth or the body or the material. He's not replacing it. He's restoring it. We will be with God forever. There won't be any more separation. There won't be any more wondering, what is He like? And how do I get to know Him? And why do I always feel drawn to these things that I know that He doesn't like? Why do I feel drawn to sin? Why is it so hard for me to hear God's voice? Why is it so hard for me to know Him? You're not going to have that problem when you get there. You're going to stand before Him face to face. And you're not going to have any more shame or sin either. Because that's all going to be done away with. You're not even going to be tempted to sin. You're going to dwell in perfect unity with God and with other people. And the effects of sin are going to be gone too. Do you, do you struggle with perpetual anxiety or depression? You won't struggle with it there. Do you have a bad back? You're not going to have a bad back there. Are you suffering in any way? The effects of sin will not be in heaven. Now here's the thing, guys. These two truths that Jesus rose from the dead and that because Jesus rose from the dead, if you believe in Him, you will raise from the dead. These two truths are linked. In other words, you can't have one without the other. You cannot have hope in life after death if Jesus is not alive. There's all sorts of beliefs out there that people want to try to hope in. Reincarnation, cryogenics, whatever it is. There's no basis for them. 
There's no basis for them unless somebody actually died and got up out of the grave and rose again. The only person that's ever done that is Jesus Christ. He's only through Him that we can have hope for life after death. On the other side of that coin, and I'm talking specifically to you Christians, believers, we cannot say we believe Jesus rose from the dead and then live like we won't rise from the dead. We can't say that we believe Jesus rose from the dead and then live like the rest of the world. If we actually believe that this is true, it has major bearings on our lives. Here's the bearings, and I'm closing right here, guys. And this, this is kind of what I want you to take away from this message, okay? First of all, if you are here this morning and you say, I'm not a Christian, or I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian, here's what I have to say to you. What this means for you today is that you have a decision to make. You've been confronted with a truth, with a historical claim that Jesus Christ was dead and that He got up out of the grave and that He's alive. So, you have a decision to make. You can either choose to believe that truth or you can choose to reject that truth. But you can't be middle ground on it, okay? No more of this middle ground like, yeah, I think Jesus was a good guy and I like Him and we'll continue to come to church on Easter and Christmas and we'll keep it a part of our tradition but I'm not going to listen to Him and I'm not going to obey Jesus. You can't do that. Look, we're either a bunch of liars up here and this didn't happen or we're out of our minds or Jesus Christ actually got up out of the grave. But you got to make a decision. Do you believe or not? Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 says this. God says, As surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why would you die, people of Israel? That's my question to you this morning, if you're not a Christian. Why would you die? You've heard the message of life. You've heard that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that He died on the cross for your sins. You will stand before God one day, and you will give an account for your sins, and so will I. But if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then that means He already took the punishment for your sins. And you'll stand in, and you know what He's going to say to you? He's going to say, say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And you will live forever. Why would you die? For Christians, here's my word to you. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says that Jesus died to take away the fear of death. It says that we were slaves to the fear of death. We live such cautious lives today devoting so much energy to our own security. We worry, we're guarded, we keep more for ourselves than we give away, we avoid taking risks. Like I told you earlier, the insurance industry is a $1.4 trillion industry. $1.4 trillion of premiums every year. That's nuts, just to protect ourselves. I'm not, saying, I'm not here to say insurance is bad, by the way. I'm just giving an example of how conservative we can really be. The fear of death hangs over us far more than we like to realize. But see, Hebrews 2 says that because Christ has died for our sins, that Satan can no longer accuse us, which means that if you're in Christ, you no longer deserve death. And all that waits you is eternal life. You don't have to sit in the prison cell of fear anymore. Jesus said in John 11, 25, 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies... Yet he shall live. Do you actually believe this? Then you are free to live a radically sacrificial, risk-taking life. 
If you're never going to die, then you don't have to be afraid if God calls you to go to the Middle East and tell people there who've never heard that Jesus got up out of the grave. You don't have to be afraid to do that anymore. Students, if you're never going to die, you don't have to be afraid to share the gospel with your classmates anymore. The apostles boldly testified to the resurrection of Christ, not just facing embarrassment, but facing death. Why did they continue to do it knowing that it would probably lead to their death? Because they actually believed the message. They actually believed that even if they were killed, they weren't going to die. But because Jesus is alive, they will be raised from the dead. And so they were able to face death with fearlessness. Bold as a lion. Young adults, parents, if you're never going to die, then you don't need more material possessions. You don't need to keep accumulating stuff and placing your faith in that. You're free to give it away and to live generously because who cares about all that stuff? You've got eternal life in heaven and you're going to have everything more than you would ever need for the rest of eternity. If you know you're never going to die, you can never be the same. You can never be the same. My friend Christian, uh, who's not in the room right now, but we were talking as I was uh, preparing this message, and, and this is what he said. He said, uh, he said, there's no middle ground. If we aren't living as if the resurrection happened, we aren't believing the gospel. I thought that was a good quote. If we aren't living as if the resurrection actually happened, then we aren't believing the gospel. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for your sins. He was dead, and He got up, and since Christ has been raised, we have hope to live differently in this life and eternally in the next. So what I want you guys to do in response today to this message, uh, for those of you who uh, maybe this is your first time, typically we throw up a couple discussion questions on the screen. We're going to take the next five or six minutes. Just want you to get with your row and just talk about uh, the message that we just talked about. We'll take the next five or six minutes, then the band is going to come up and close us in a song, and then Beth is going to come up and give us instructions on the Easter egg hunt and how, to, uh, how you can go and get your children afterwards, okay? So uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a few minutes and discuss these questions. Thank you.